Hi, it's Mark Aflalo on behalf of Mitchell Whitfield and myself. Thank you so much for taking a listen to this podcast. Do us a little favor if you would. If you love the show, give us a five-star review and don't forget to follow us at Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. We appreciate it and we love doing the show for you guys. Without further ado, here's today's episode. This is Your Tech Report. For gadget news and reviews, click to yourtechreport.com. We are back on Your Tech Report. Thank you guys for joining us uh, this week and, of course, every week if you want to get in touch. On all our social media, it is at Your Tech Report. Pretty easy to find us, Mitchell. Yes, it is. And you know what? This uh, I was going to say this is going to be a pretty easy interview because we, we love the company so much. And a, a, a guest that we can call, not only do we have a favorite company, but Mark, a friend of the show and a company that has always been incredibly relevant on the computer side of things. And now with the way Apple has been putting out products that really need some help along the way in terms of connectivity and in terms of storage and all these things, uh, I, I don't think OWC has ever been more relevant. Am I correct? Um, you're probably correct. I almost feel like there's a uh, there's some kind of backroom deal going on there where here we're not going to put all these ports on the computers so that we give OWC some uh, some stuff to build. Um, uh, on with us now is the founder and CEO of OWC, Larry O'Connor. Welcome back to your tech report. So much fun to have you on any time that you're here. I'm looking at my inbox here, and I typed the word OWC, and I'm talking, <laughs> I don't know, probably a dozen press releases from CES onwards, whether it's products or acquisitions, or you guys are just on fire. You know, we're always busy. You know, there's, there's always new needs, and there's solutions that we're constantly bringing out to address those needs. I mean, it's been a, a really crazy year, and you know, we definitely couldn't let COVID stop us because, I mean, the world didn't stop, and people's needs, certainly for all the work-from-home stuff, remote education, you know, mission critical, I mean, keeping back office systems up, it, it, a lot of critical stuff going on, and we're, we're glad that you know, we could be there to, to keep uh, keep things going, keep things moving, so were we you, can get out of this COVID tunnel. Were you exactly. guys ready for that? I mean, I know you guys are pushing out products, you know, left, right, and center all the time. I can't imagine that anybody wasn't, you know, stopped full steam when COVID hit, but you guys didn't seem to lose anything, at least in the perception of us, us you know, consumers. You know, our job is to make it all look easy. I mean, you know, what goes on behind the scenes, you know, we got to keep from being on the, uh, certainly on the front lines and and, and customers need, you know, our help. And I will say we got kind of a head start on COVID. I mean, we saw the signs coming and decided to kind of hedge really, really early in the equation end of February and the first week of March. I mean, we were already in full swing that getting our team moved, they work from home. Now, we didn't know what was going to happen or how we didn't, I had, I honestly had no uh, inkling that it was going to become what it became. But certainly, uh, you know, we moved quick to make sure that, number one, the people who could work from home were able to work from home. Technology today is, is certainly far more flexible in that manner. The other aspect, our office, I mean, our main operation headquarters in the Woodstock, where we manufacture and ship and process, you know, was actually, this is the wrong way to put it, but it was pretty COVID ready in terms of the filtration we had, the door accesses uh, that we had, and it was you know, getting temperature scanning and other procedures and disinfecting, getting those things in place so we can maintain a safe environment. And knock on wood, I mean, we did not have any COVID issues within our operation you know, throughout the year. I mean, the biggest issues came from ex- external family members and such, which we were very aggressive in isolating. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but safety of our team was you know, first and foremost. You know, we maintain you know, safety for our team that, you know, of course, you know, translates into safety for our customers. And it was really good that, you know, that we were able to continue to operate the way we operated. It was a work from home experiment for us. We'd never had you know, a, uh, the number of work from home team members as obviously COVID drove, but it's been a good, it, it's actually worked out really well. Technology and 
a lot of the products, uh, a huge portion of the products we produce, you know, certainly enable uh, effective remote work. And again, it's, it's a win-win. So it's, you know, when you look at our customers, we can share those experiences, share our own use, you know, of our own equipment, our own solutions, you know, with people, you know, around the world that need them. Well, a little, you know, little since we're, and we'll, you know, we'll end, I guess, after this, the, the COVID conversation. Although, listen, we talk about it, you know, it is, it is a part of our everyday. And I think it will be a part of our everyday for uh, quite a while to come, even as things get better. I think it will be part of the conversation for a while. With that said, first of all, it's nice to hear that the companies that we love also care, not just about the customers, but about the, the people that work there. Do you, do you see the company structure right now? Because obviously people are working remotely. Are you guys realizing that a lot of this can be done remotely and will those positions stay remote or are people anxious to get back or is it going to be sort of a hybrid moving forward in terms of how the day-to-day flow will go for you guys? It's definitely you know, going to be hybrid. I will say, you know, we dropped uh, the geographical limits on, you know, so we're hiring. I mean, for the first time we're hiring, you know, you know, around the country, in some cases around the world for positions that we might've only had in you know, this office or that office. And that's been fantastic because there's, you know, there's talented people everywhere. At the same time, there's certain you know, groups that you know, really need to be together more often. It's, it's hard to, you know, we can do the Zoom all day long and everything else, but nothing beats face-to-face. So it, there's definitely going to be some hybridization. We've also got team members that were exceptional in office, but you know, it's, it's not quite the same level when they're working remote. So once things start to normalize, and they are right now, I mean, even you know, I was for the first time in a year, I was back in Woodstock last week, and it was fantastic. I was glad to be up there. It was again, amazing, the, the protocols and what we have in place to keep the space safe. You know, there's a lot of people looking forward to being back in the office and there's plenty of folks that, you know, are going to be happy, productive and you now taking care of, you know, all of you, you know, very effectively, you know, f- from their homes and, you know, we're going to allow that to continue, but it's, it will, we've been kind of doing a little bit of work from home in different areas, certain departments. And now it's, we, we definitely had that forced experiment over the last year that's, you know, let us, it's opened their eyes to what works really well, what, you know, where the challenges are and, you know, kind of having that hybridization, how we get people together often enough face-to-face, and I mean, in person, not just over Zoom, you know, versus, you know, the work, you know, being fully remote. And, you know, there's a good, there's a balance there. You know, Larry, from, you know, new Thunderbolt docks to travel docks to, um, you know, SSD storage, uh, and we'll get to LumaForge and Jellyfish afterwards, um, there are so many products that make our lives easier as Mac users, computer users in general. This isn't really only Mac. Um, what, and I, I, I'm going to ask you the hardest question first, what's your most favorite release over the past year oh are you really gonna make him pick his favorite child here Come they, on. you know they're not real people they don't know listen and they're not gonna care <laughs> okay that's fine then you know i have a i, I really you know that, that is a tough one if i had this talk about the most important products over the last year you know favorite most important maybe mm-hmm. you know i probably focus on it'd be both actually both docs and you know portable storage you know, portable storage because it's been important for people to be able to get their data and move from place to place, especially working from home and the end to share, you know, certain projects that just don't email or transmit easily with, you know, the cloud services are just too big. And docs, docs are always important because whether you're in a work from home or you're going from an office to home office, you know, traveling, et cetera, it's, you know, these products make it very easy to connect your laptop, even a desktop, you know, to other ports that you need and be able to pick up and go. And then you, you get to your destination, you know, one cable, you know, that connects you to everything that you need and power and more. So the, the docs are big. The docs are big, you know, pre-COVID or unrelated to COVID. And they certainly were a big, they, they made it a lot easier, obviously for people to, to pick up and go and, and, and take their workflows home. 
So it's, it's probably the docs and the, the, my most favorite product this year, we have so much, but if I have to pick one product that, that I think is really, really awesome, it's going to make a difference for everybody. You know, it will end the cable nightmares that everybody, I know they face because it's our number one tech support call. And that's, you know, going to be, that's going to be the Thunderbolt four cable. The Thunderbolt 4 cables that we just you know, started shipping, and they'll get longer right now. They're 0.8 meters. They'll hopefully by the end of the year, actually by the summer, we should be shipping up to two meters. And within not too much longer, I expect to see those cables get up to five meters. But for anything that's C to C, you know, which is pretty much for everything is, is, is coming out today, new phones, new tablets, you know, all the new computers have type C ports. Most peripherals now have type C ports. Power adapters have type C ports. The Thunderbolt 4 cable, the C to C, works with 100% everything. And that includes maximum power delivery and maximum data delivery. And you think, well, that's, I don't know, maybe if I, what's the big deal about that? You know, we have all these USB cables, even some Thunderbolt 3 cables, they're C to C, but they don't do it. And the number one textbook cause, I mean, we're talking, I mean, you've got to you buy a brand new Apple laptop, it comes with a very high quality type C cable. That type C cable is for. <laughs> for I'm holding, I'm holding up for our radio listeners four Ziploc bags of C to C cables, A to A C cables. Um, you know, people don't realize, Larry, that, you know, just because a cable has the same connector on both sides, that it may not be rated for proper power right. uh, travel. It may not be meant for data usage. And you only realize that sometimes when you're racking your head and you're going, why is this not working? So when I saw that <laughs> announcement about that new cable, I'm like, of course, this is brilliant. You know, one cable to rule them all. And people ask me, like, what are you talking about? I'm like, dude, you don't realize. Plug that hard drive in. It's not working, is it? And that's why. So I, I'm totally on side with you in terms of probably my favorite creation from this past year as well. But, you know, Larry, I also want to jump in and you talk about, you know, necessity. And I think there, you know, there could be perception in the past, like, OK, these are luxury items. If I'm going to get a dock that'll just enhance my existing experience or if I'm going to get external storage to enhance my ability to back up or enhance my ability to save files if I'm editing but today, no longer, because again, as we talked about at the top of the show, at the top of the interview, um, Apple is now, you know, their, their minimalist ethic is great visually, and it's great for weight and sleekness and thinness, not so great if you have more than one thing to connect to your computer. Uh, Apple's internal SSDs are wonderfully fast. They're also wonderfully expensive. So we're having people now that have a minimal computer in terms of the aesthetic and the ports that they have, and are purposely ordering it with the lowest storage amount because Apple charges so much for the higher end. So to have external storage as your main storage and to have a dock as your way to connect to things you have, these are no longer luxury items. OWC is putting out things that are necessities. And you know, in, in, in fairness to Apple, and, and again, it obviously works out you know, in terms of you know this whole dock market and whatnot. Right. When you're on the road, or at least you know when you're between you know, different points, you usually don't need a lot of those ports or maybe you don't need any of those ports. You know, they're ports that, you know, that used to be, you know, they're all different sizes. Stuff could get in them. If they failed, I mean, now you you, you, you lost functionality without really a way to replace it. Now, the ports we have today, I mean, it's amazing what we can connect to these systems. You can plug in, I mean, you can put a brand new GPU on a now a four or five-year-old Mac and bring it up to today's, you know, capability level. I mean, GPU is more important for a lot of things than processor. You know, that didn't exist externally, you know, a decade ago. It's... Yeah, the way things have moved in terms of being able to keep systems upgrading externally versus internally, 
I don't like solder memory. I don't, I think it's just wrong to solder memory, SSDs, make it hard for people to swap batteries. Those are things that should remain user serviceable, but it is really great, you know, that in parallel to some of the internal limitations that perhaps in the future, maybe will be re, you know, addressed, you know, that we do have all these external means to make our systems better. The Thunderblade was designed for, actually for high-end AR VR editing. It's number one, one of his number one customer uses is data transport. I mean, it's used to do you know, mainly video footage, you know, all around the world. And it's used, you know, consumers buy it. And they, as you know, Mitchell was mentioning, that, that supplement their internal storage. I mean, it's a beautiful, fast product. It's actually faster uh, than the internal Apple Drive on a sustained basis. Not a burst space, not an initial, you know, two-second peak, but on a sustained basis, it's faster than the internal drives, costs a lot less than the internal drives. And guess what? It'll go to any machine you move to. So that's another nice plus. And in three years, if the computer has a problem and it's not under warranty, you know, you didn't just lose that giant, expensive yeah. soldered in SSD that was inside. So lots of, you know, lots of benefits to this external world. And hey, you know, it's also, I don't miss the days when I had 10 different cables. <laughs> I'm probably exaggerating slightly, but I, you know, I take my laptop back and forth and I have to, there's certain things screwed in, other things plugged in, other things clipped in. You know, it was always this, did I miss anything? Why is this not coming on? Now it's one cable. Don't have to worry about power. One cable takes care of power. And, you know, my entire desktop is lit up in front of me because of, you know, one dock and, and one cable. So Pluses, I mean, there, there are some nice pluses. And I do, it is rumored that Apple's going to, the one port I didn't, I, I just didn't understand how Apple could possibly take away was the SD reader. I mean, it's, it's so thin. It <laughs> <laughs> makes no sense. It made no sense to me. And I don't know if you all remember, but it was, it was about, I think it was about a decade ago, maybe 11 or 12 years ago that Apple, they added it back to the unibody. So late 2008 is when they, put the SD card, I think it's when they first brought the SD card reader, put it, put it actually for the first time, had it on a Mac. Yeah. And it was, it was somewhere around a decade or so ago, but it was something that got headlines on the tech side. It's like, Apple's got an SD reader. Oh my God. It's like, wow. I mean, it was big news because they never had an SD reader and they were so important. And then quietly in the night, they just disappeared them from the, the, the new uh, touch bar, the, the new 2016 later. It's like, how the heck? I mean, it's just. So well, I do understand Ethernet. I, Ethernet, I get because it's chunky. You want to get rid of the Ethernet. You want to well, go to digital wireless. World got or, better, you know, so the, the protocol exactly, got better, but, got quicker. But even that, even that was tough Agreed. to deal with because it's a connect. You know, it's a main yeah. connection. But SD cards are so flat. <laughs> <They're> so tiny. <laughs> I have to say, if you look at our travel doc, and our travel doc has been, you know, well heralded. I mean, our travel docs won awards across the board. I mean, it's one of our best selling. It is. I mean, in that for USB, it is our best selling doc, and, and rightly so. I mean, it's. It's a true dock. And I want to get into hubs and everything else. And we want to talk about cable quality. You know, I don't even get started there. I mean, some cables, <laughs> some USB cables are even dangerous to use because they don't limit power. And you may, they may be good for 30 watts, but they'll run 100 watts. And, and that's actually can even be in the point of danger. But going back to the travel dock and, and wireless, you know, most of our customers said, in fact, pretty much all of our customers say, yeah, we use wireless when we're running around. We don't, we don't need an Ethernet port. So our first travel dock, you know, actually now we're in our third gen, our second gen, our first and second gen travel docks had no ethernet port. And what was the number one requested you now feature? Ethernet port. A network port. Like, <laughs> I can't remember the last time I've gone anywhere and been able to plug in you know, on the road, but you know, it's something that maybe it's a comfort thing. Maybe it's you know, that, that throwback bit. You know what, people People tease me about it because, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine, by the way, who I directed directly to your website and bought a bunch of products. That's another issue. Um, and, you know, he asked me, he said, oh, do you even use Ethernet? I was like, yes, I do. Uh, he, he said, why would you even bother anymore? And I was like, two words, radio show. 
And for for me, it's more about stability than it's yeah. about bandwidth because plenty of bandwidth now wirelessly, you know, with all the different protocols. But to have that stability in case there's any sort of spike or peak when you're in the middle of doing a show, Mark and I are obviously in two different, you know, two different countries, two different parts, you know, two different coasts. So having that stability is important. But in terms of like every day and throughput, no, it's not a big deal. Just just for the radio show, it's a nice, like you said, it's a com- it's it's a blanket. It, it's having something comfortable that you're used to and having that stability. I think that's what a lot of people probably still dig about it. I, I guess I'd add with work from home, you have a lot of, I mean, wireless at home can, can, can be spotty itself. Yeah. With more work from home, there's definitely at home. I'm always on ethernet. I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm you know, like you, I mean, I've got, why not? Exactly. It's on the road. The, you know, we, the travel doc is used all over the place, including at home. <laughs> when I think of travel though, again, you go to a hotel anymore, you know, the ethernet cable's there, but then you notice it's, you know, the other end of it's just kind of dangling. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, Larry, you know, you know, we're not specifically diving into too many products now because I know our listeners know about you guys. You know, if they go to maxsales.com, they've got everything from Thunderbolt docks to drives to memory and SSD. So I wanted to, you know, focus a lot on like philosophy and stuff here and talk about why people do things sometimes. And I'm curious about your reaction to Apple shifting away from Intel processors into their own silicon and how it affects you because i know it does have an effect on compatibility and various things and there's a there's a domino effect that you know kind of down the road so i'm curious is that something that you are embracing or is it something that you kind of find like oh why do you do this now we're absolutely embracing it and i have to say you know looking at the performance of the, the first m1 max i'd argue that they're you know people within apple that didn't realize just how powerful and how spectacular these machines were going to be you know, there's some interesting things that we're still investigating and, and, and monitoring. I mean, they've got internal SSD use and, and some wear on those units. You know, the first time ones were, you know, were issued as low-end machines. I mean, they didn't put them out there saying they're going to be giant video editing stations, but people are using for those purposes. And they may be, you know, too good for their, you know, for their own good in that case, you know, where they might be cooking some of the internals a little bit faster than Apple would have expected. But those M1 machines for Apple's first Silicon Macs are absolutely incredible. I do hope we have future versions that you know bring back memory upgradeability. Certainly, they have to offer more than just eight and sixteen gigs in an M1. If you're buying an M1 today, don't skip, get the sixteen gig version. You're going to regret getting eight gig. There is, I mean, it's it, you've got to get sixteen gig. I mean, that's, that's just a, the right way to go. I would, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm waiting. My next Mac will be in an, an M something. I'm certainly waiting to see where Apple takes their silicon and we get a little bit, a little bit more horsepower and a little again less. You know, turn and burn on the the internals, but M1 is great. It's been a big. It has presented challenges. There's, and I think Apple's had challenges with COVID as well. Apple's teams have been obviously remote, just like everybody else. And you know, certainly, you know, some of the aspects. You know, we, you know, we're really looking forward for the next 11 release. I mean, and, and they they fixed something in an earlier release. They broke it in the 11.2 <laughs> and the the current 11.3 version. The, the beta that they just released Friday, you know, refixes it and puts things back. And, you know, back where they need to be. It, it's for software development. The M1 is was more of a challenge for us because there was no Thunderbolt hardware available in any way, shape, or form until you know shortly before those machines were shipping commercially. We just had you know the USB, basically an, an iPad and a Mac Mini you know, box running Apple running the the new OS, which limited our ability to test you know Thunderbolt, which is a big part of our product lineup. So it's. We absolutely embracing it. I think the future is going to be amazing with this. It's honestly incredible how well Rosetta 2 works. Yeah. So it's, why do they go now? I mean, look at, I'm not going to knock and tell. I mean, Intel's brought us Thunderbolts, but on the, the processor side, I mean, they're power hungry. 
you know, you know, a high-end iMac. I mean, it gets the fans always revving. They get hot. You know, battery life. You know, I, I did end up getting a, a 16-inch uh, MacBook Pro. I kind of regret it. I, I like my Retina better, but once yeah, I switched over. <laughs> By the way, I hate the touch bar. I hope we have models that don't have that. I never use it. Well. I never use you it. Will. It just sits there. It's yeah. like it lights up. Eventually, Occasionally, it freezes. I'm like, what are you here for? You do nothing in my life. <laughs> Well, it, I think it's there just to annoy me because whenever I have to use the keyboard, my hands are kind of big. I, I touch the Siri pops up. I yep, mean, I, all the time. I, I, yes. <laughs> yes. But, you know, I mean, it, it makes you, it kind of makes you wonder, Larry, because I'm I'm actually, you know, run my home studio on the M1 Mac mini uh, decked out as much, you know, as in the max RAM, max, you know, everything. Um, but still very reasonable for what it is. And it kind of makes you wonder when you look at the transition from Intel, or they still have Intel products there, Intel Mac Mini especially, and the M1. It kind of makes you wonder if some of the limitations that we're seeing on the port side, for instance, like the new M1 Mac Mini only has uh, a couple of USB Type A's. It only has, you know, it's limited in terms of the ports on there, not just the RAM maxing out at 16 as opposed to, I believe, 64 on the Intel version. So Mm -hmm. it kind of makes you wonder on a processor level because... Let's be honest, these are the, the new M1s are starting their lives as a beefed up mobile processor. And Apple was not shy about that. And I, I appreciate the transparency there. So maybe because of its its beginnings, there are limitations as to what you can max out on RAM because of the chip, limitations on ports because of the chip. Do you think maybe it could be on the processor side that we're seeing limitations on the expandability on the expansion side? Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. for what it's worth, I mean, I think Apple and the M1 has delivered an amazing machine. Oh, yeah. That does everything they're promising it will do. And if you look at even compared to the Intel machines, you know, you can you can only plug one 4K display via Thunderbolt into an M1. The Mac Mini uh, doesn't have a built-in display, so you, you, still, you get a total of two displays, one HDMI, one over Thunderbolt. On the laptops, you can only have one external display. I mean, that's what they can support. You can't support eGPU yet. Uh, and I say yet because it's questionable whether they that may be right. more of a driver thing than a, a hardware thing. But as a self-contained, incredible, I mean, they're running circles around much <laughs> higher end machines for a lot of applications. Oh, yeah. You know, but there are some things that the Intel machines with the multiple cores and more memory you know, can do a little bit better. But as a low-end machine, I mean, I, it's, it's crazy to see you know, a $1,000 machine running circles around a four or $5,000 box. Apple discontinued the iMac Pro, which I kind of mixed about. I mean, I, the iMac Pro, you know, certainly has more, doesn't have as much horsepower for a lot of things versus Apple's current high-end iMac, uh, regular consumer iMac. But I will say, side by side, the iMac Pro runs cooler. You know, it has more Thunderbolt bandwidth. You know, it has you know a more stable video uh, architecture. It's it is truly a pro machine, and it's, a, it's always I always find it disappointing when we see anything drop out, any of the pro level products drop out of the lineup. It was expensive; they should have updated it already. But I hope we see it. Maybe we we'll see it in, in the future. Hopefully, we see a reintroduction with a high level M. But this is Apple's first silicon Mac solution, and certainly you know, it's it's not the last. And what it, as strong an entry as the M1 is, I, I can't wait to see you know the next architectural leaps. Larry, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you about the 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 LumaForge uh, acquisition. Um, how does that fit into the philosophy of what you guys are doing? Because uh, it's funny that you know during COVID, we see the acquisition of a company that you know focuses on on post production workflow. It kind of just makes sense, right? How how did that kind of come together? Was that a pre COVID thing that's been going on for a while, or something that happened during COVID? Well, certainly acquisition completed during COVID. It just completed in January. But the acquisition, I mean, we were in talks, you know, well before COVID. 
And it's a great fit for OWC. I mean, we've, we have a Jupiter product, which is more, and we, we have a very strong hardware foundation in the enterprise space. LumaForce brings some really powerful software aspects to that enterprise hardware. And for video production, you know, Jupiter has is, is actually been a great solution. It was used in Kiss the Ground. It, it actually provides a lot of the aspects that Jellyfish does, but LumaForge, quite frankly, I mean, they're, they were heads and shoulders above, you know, where we were, well, where we could have been in a few months. So integrating LumaForge, and I'm not really speaking this quite right, you know, we're different technologies, but bringing the hardware and the, bring our hardware together with their software and our existing foundation, I mean, really it's from A to Z, I mean, it's a it's a great team. It's a, you know the cultures are very compatible, and now we can do an even better job. You know, taking care of you know from the, the production work group. You know, direct attached pieces are still you know a major component in those workflows. And now, really, everything as an ecosystem can come together, and very excited about you know what the LumaForce team just in general brings to the equation. We have a lot of you know, high aspirations for Jupiter. And I guess say the, the biggest challenge we would have with what we have with Jupiter for LumaForce was scalability. You know, a lot of the Jupiter solutions you know, had to be very you know, individually curated. Now I've got a platform that allows for much faster deployment, much, they're still individually curated, but much more efficient and a, a, a real good management tool. So that you know, whether we go from 100 to 10,000 sites, you know, they, can be man, they can be managed and supported you know, the way that you know, OWC supports every customer. So. I don't know if that really answers the question. No, no, definitely. Listen, it definitely does. It's something that, you know, I deal with every day is just storage, storage, storage. The more we record, the more I need to put this stuff. So it's, uh, you know, when it comes to video workflow, even though we're a small team here, you know, it's always something that I'm looking for new solutions for. And, and it just made such a, it was such an aha moment. Of course, that makes sense. You know, you've got OWC with all the hardware and then you've got, you know, LumaFord just, it just made total sense. Uh, Larry, I wish we could spend I guess I, want, two I should hours add, I know you get a minute, but I will add to that very, very quickly as yeah. fast as I can. You know, one thing that's, you know, really cool, you know, Jupiter was always kind of separate from all the ODBC you know, workflow hardware was something that could behind the scenes and supplement. The thing that we're bringing forth and now we're able to do with LumaForge and some of the technology there is actually start to connect your ODBC devices into those workflows, into the cloud. So, you know, just wait till you can wait, to, wait, watch and see as you start to be able to connect in both the Jupiter and do uh, LumaForge, uh, Jellyfish, you know, existing ODBC, Thunder Bays and other type hardware. It's just, a, it's a, Again, there, there is so much we're going to be doing there. It's it's an amazing fit, an amazing team, and, and glad to have them. With no, the it's, it's definitely exciting, and it's something I'm going to be following. It's something you're going to have to come back and join us to talk about as things progress with that one. Absolutely. It would be a pleasure as always. I mean, really, thank you very much for having me on today. It's, again, always enjoy this. We, lo- we love talking to you, Larry, and it's always good to have you guys on. And of course, uh, maxhales.com, of course, just search OWC, Jellyfish, all the brands. You can see everything those guys got going on. And I guarantee you, I, I warn you, you go to the site, you're not leaving without something in your <laughs> cart and your credit card being in charge. It's just going to happen. And you'll be, you'll be glad you did, believe yes, us. exactly. <laughs> Larry O'Connor, uh, the founder of OWC, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back in just a moment. There's more Your Tech Report after this. I'm your eager beaver. And I'm Mr. Grizzly. If you love politics or hate politics, then have we we the perfect perfect podcast for you. The True North Eager Beaver. Incisive political commentary. We keep you up to date and give you the political and media literacy you seek. To help you cut through the bovine fecal matter. Facts first. Sound analysis. Sometimes I growl. Sometimes I sass. We impart civics and build community. And we share some laughs along the way. Being informed and engaged has never been more fabulous. 
us. Or sexy. Catch us on, on the Dean Blundell Network. Or on our YouTube channel. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Because democracy, democracy is something, something you do. do. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast. The show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.